No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. Today I'm Dr. Friday and the doctor is in the house and we are here live in studio to enjoy this kind of overcast Saturday. It's not the most crazy, but tomorrow is Mother's Day. So for all of you that are mothers or um, step-in moms and all the other kind of sayings that go along with that, people that have helped raise wonderful kids, um, well, hopefully tomorrow you'll have a wonderful day. So I know I have one of the best moms in the world and um, miss her every day. So hopefully you guys will enjoy um, weather's going to be beautiful tomorrow, according to my charts. So that will be a great thing to do. All right. Today we're going to talk a little bit about taxes, maybe prepping for the 2022 tax year. We've already been taking several meetings um, because with all the real estate sales and inheritance and um, people retiring, it just seems like there's quite a few choices and decisions people need to make. And sometimes if you don't make those decisions in advance, they will be made for you. I mean, it's really what it comes down to. So what I'm saying is if you haven't sat down and kind of planned, okay, I'm going to sell this house. So I have a $250,000. I've lived in it two out of the last five years. So I'm going to move into a new house. And if you're single or married, in that case, you would basically have zero tax if it was your primary home. If you're married, you can have up to $500,000 exclusion. Um, but keep in mind, in some cases, uh, people were maybe self-employed and you used your home and maybe you depreciated your house during the time that you had a home office then you might have some recapture of depreciation. I have probably just in the last month talked to four or five people that are selling their rental real estate, in which, of course, we have the recapture of depreciation and, um, you know, and of course, the capital gains on that one, depending on how much you make, it's going to be anywhere between 15 and 23.8. There is a 0% capital gains rate. So just letting you know, but it's not as easy to do. I mean, you'd have to be making 50,000, including the capital gains for a single person, total income under 50,000 and a married couple under a hundred thousand basically. And that again would include the capital gains. But if you do have that and remember capital gains is something that is a year and a day, right? Anything that's called long-term capital gains, really only capital gains is when we actually have it for more than a year and one day. Otherwise it's taxed at ordinary income rates. Uh, so just, you know, and that obviously can fluctuate all the way up to what, 37%. So just making the right decisions, understanding what those decisions, I was talking to a couple um, yesterday and they had sold their, um, their primary home. They lived in for over 15 years and they sold it and they're, they're going to take the exclusion. And then they moved into a home in a subdivision. These are people that lived out in the country and, and uh, really want to return to that. And uh, so they're trying to make a decision. Do they want to live in the new home almost three years or to get the exclusion again, or do they want to just sell the house and move out? And I thought it was an interesting conversation because so often everyone looks at everything on tax dollars, everything about, okay, well, 
If you sell the house and you make a hundred thousand dollar profit, in their case, they could be um, there. They'll they'll own it for over a year, so they would be in there for long term capital gains. But they would be looking at probably eighteen point eight with their income bracket of tax. And you're sitting there going, you know, is it worth staying someplace for another two years where you're not happy? You can't take money with you. I mean, I'm not saying you need to be ridiculous, but sometimes I think we get so hooked on trying to save the dollar that we forget to live. So uh, maybe I'm an odd tax person, but I think you have to weigh the option. So in this case, will they pay $30,000 in taxes and move out and and move into the area and and go back to living the life they live, they want to live? Or will they wait the two years not to pay the the $30,000? And that's also making a wild assumption that the the housing market doesn't reduce so they could lose money because it may not sell as much in two years as what it's going to sell for today. No one has a crystal ball, at least I don't, to be able to tell people, you know, what you do and what you do not have. So it really just comes down to is what is, what is going to be best for each individual? Sometimes it's not a big deal because you relocated to someplace that you love and you have no problem in staying another two, three, four years. In other cases, you know, it's not a priority. So again, you don't care if you're living, but if you're not living the life you want to live, I think you have to put that into the scenario of tax dollars as well. So, cause so, I mean, I can tell you 25 years of doing this and I have seen and talked to a lot of individuals, but when you're making your decision solely on the idea that you're going to save money. Um, I mean, if you can save money and do what you want, awesome. But if it's a matter that you're going to save money but not live the life you want to live, since we're none guaranteed tomorrow, it just seems like a crazy concept. So anyways, um, I just think when you're looking at your future, looking at your tax picture or your financial situation, take into account what's really most important to you. Because without that importance, then, you know, sure, you may have enough money in the bank and you may be very well off. But if you're not happy, what good is any of that going to make a difference of? So, you know, make sure you add that back into your mathematics. I want to be happy. Put that on there. And so you got it. All right. So if you want to join the show or you have something you want to share, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. Taking your calls, talking about all my favorite subjects, even though, let's be honest, tax season has pretty much ended, even though we do have until... Uh, May 16th to, I believe it is May 16th to file some of the individuals that live in uh, Davidson County and some of the other counties around here. And uh, so we are still working taxes. Um, They take a few days off to regroup. And uh, it was hilarious because I physically turned off my phone and after tax season in one day, the voicemail was fully full. And uh, by the time I got to it, I think there was uh, well, at that point, no one was able to leave any extra messages, but you could see where people had called. So um, so if you needed to reach me or you need to, uh, if I if we haven't returned your call yet, we will be doing that in the next few days. I did get back on Thursday. So if you have questions for us, you can call us at, at the office, but you can also join us here on the radio, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, talking about... Um, taxes and things that we were dealing with. And so another thing we're, we're going to look at or talk about a little bit is dealing with the um, problems that maybe people had 
in filing your 2021 tax return. One of the big things was, of course, children, uh, the child tax credit. Some people said they didn't get all of the payments. Um, you know, there was letters that were sent out saying how much money they received. People didn't agree with some of those letters. And this is this is going right along with the same concept that we had with stimulus for 2020. Um, and, and of course, in 2021 as well, the final stimulus was filed. And some people said they never received it. The IRS basically saying that you did. So we are looking at the resolution um, that we're going to be trying to deal with that. Most of that's going to come back to waiting for the IRS to receive back. In some cases, um, maybe they had a wrong bank account or they mailed it to a bad address. And so the IRS will have to get those back into their system. And at that time, they will, um, my understanding is they will reissue those back to the individuals that the money was supposed to go to. Now, that's not going to happen very fast. So don't think it's going to be something that's going to be a quick turnaround. But um, they are not at the moment doing advanced child tax credits, which I will tell you I'm an advocate for. I do not think we need to have the advanced child tax credit out there. I think it just creates more conflict and more problems during tax season. So um, most people have all lived without it. And right now, um, before my show, I was listening to the little news thing, and they're saying that there's two jobs for every one person looking for a job. So I'm pretty sure that most people that want to work have the ability to go out and get work. And if you've decided that, you know, you don't have to work because you uh, have downsized or whatever the situation is, uh, then we'll be, you know, good to be able to go through and do that kind of situation as well. Got it. Um, but you know, I mean, either way you look at it, you just want to basically be able to, um, when filing taxes, we want to be able to do that without having to worry about trying to wait for the IRS to give us notifications. It's difficult enough for the employers to give us the W-2s, the, especially the investment companies giving us our 1099Bs. That works out really well for us. Ah, oh, look at that. I didn't see anyone on the list. There's my boys. All right, so let's go ahead and start with Jay in Hendersonville. Sorry, guys, I couldn't see the screen for a moment. Hey, Jay, what's happening? You got it. I've got a question. This is Part of it is a tax question. I've got two rental properties that are paid off, mm -hmm. and I've got a primary that has about $110,000 about $110, mortgage and worth about 500000 I'm trying to think, should it be tax-wise or would it be a good investment to pay off? I mean, to get a homeowner's equity line of credit for the rental property and pay off my primary. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, but the current tax law is the mortgage. I mean, you can as long as the mortgage is tied to the, the, the investment property, that is not a problem. Um, so... You can write off the interest where theoretically you are writing off the interest on the primary, but as you and I know, we're not itemizing, especially not on $110,000 probably. Um, so you would have a better write-off against the rentals than you will have with the primary. No question. Um, did the, did I answer your question? The answer is yes. I would take it against my rentals and pay off my primary. Okay. Okay. For not just for tax purposes, just more so for if I, if something happens and I lose the rental property, so be it. But my primary is safe. 
Well, that's it. I mean, the likeliness is the, the real estate's going to be worth more than the mortgage anyway. So worst scenario is you have to sell one of the rental properties to pay off the mortgage. You know, I mean, uh, since we're talking 110, that's my assumption anyways, but that would be my, I'm never big on paying off rental real estate anyways. Let someone else okay. pay your bill. Yes. Okay. Well, I think that answers. I'm just having, then I'm having a little trouble finding a lender who wants to take the risk with me. So, yeah, I mean, they're likely to only want to give you like a 60 or 70% against the rental, but um, assuming that the rental has, it's paid off. So, uh, assuming it appraises for more than the 170 or whatever required. And again, I don't know your rentals, but that would be the, the secret or putting both okay. rentals up for the 110, you know what I mean? I don't know your situation. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that no problem. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate you for calling. Thank you right. so much. All right, let's go to Ricky in Watertown. Hey, Ricky, what's happening? Not much. What's going on? Oh, you know, a little this, a little of that. <laughs> what can I do for you? I've got a question. Okay. I have had, or rather had, a traditional IRA, and mm -hmm. I rolled 130000 into a Roth IRA. I withheld 25%. I think 24 would have been enough. You may have to correct me whether it was or not. I rolled 100 over last year and did not withhold enough. Mm -hmm. How much would I should have? So in, in uh, 2020 or 2021, you rolled over a hundred thousand and you didn't withhold enough. So now you're, you're no. asking it. Can you hear me? No, I just, I just withheld 20% and it should have withheld 22. 25. Oh, 22. Okay. So on 130, you went ahead and just done 25%. Yes. Okay. Um, do I do your taxes, Ricky? Uh, excuse me. Do, who, who who does your tax returns? Uh, gentleman in Lebanon. Okay, okay. Uh, only reason I'm asking because it would depend on your income bracket, right? So 130 in yep. itself, 25% would be great. But if you've got 30 or 40 or 50 thousand dollars above that, my concern nope. would be is you. I'll, I'll nope. explain that. I am disabled. Oh, okay. So you so just I'm have Social Security road. disability. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so you would have Social Security. Which are you single or married? A uh, single. Okay, so 25. So assuming, you know, that's a, could be almost 150, and that would put you at 22% up to, I'd say 25 should hit you right, it, very close. I mean, it may not be spot on because, again, I am doing simple math on my side, but basically you have the first $50,000 after uh, you take your standard deduction, and that's going to be at 12%. The next 75,000 is going to be at 22, and then you'll be jumping up into 24. You said you withheld 25. I think you should be safe at 25, assuming that you only have Social Security tax or Social Security that will be taxed or disability, whichever. Okay. I thought 24 would do it, but I wanted to make sure I had to pay in 1100 this last yeah. time. And normally I'd get back a thousand. And it right. caused me to uh, mumble some choice syllables. 
I hear you. I hear you. All right. So, well, hopefully that, yeah, I think you should be safe with the 25 based on what you're telling me. All right. Thanks for calling. I appreciate you, Ricky. Thank All right. You, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, I'm going to go to Tom, Rose, Rosie, and Jim. We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday show. Alrighty, we are back here live in studio. I'm Dr. Friday. This is the Dr. Friday show. And my three callers have been holding for quite a while. So let's go to Rosie. She's been on for a while. Hey, Rosie, thanks for holding. Sure, Dr. Friday. I hope you had a wonderful vacation and, um, and welcome back. Um, thanks. Just real quickly, what you uh, were talking about being happy earlier, um, my, I have uh, droopy eyelids that my, I, I inherited from my dad, bless his soul. And um. And so I was going to wait until uh, Medicare covered it, um, you know, because it, it will eventually affect my eyesight if I don't get them fixed. But I thought, oh, screw it, you know, just spend the money and be happier because by the time they get that droopy, I won't care, right? And so I made a, an appointment with one of, um, with a, for a consultation. And um, one of my friends listens to, doctor, to your show, and so we've talked before about her going in for a tax question. I was going to come in once my husband retires about taxes, tax planning. And um, so I texted her this morning and I said, um, hey, you know, guess what appointment I made? Um, it's with a doctor, but not, um, not for a medical reason. And she was so proud of her. I said, this is a major clue. And so I gave her that clue. And she was so proud of herself. And right away she said, Dr. Friday. So I thought that was funny. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm funny. part of the conversation. And I'm really happy that you did, you know, again, I don't know. I think, I think it's awesome when people think of themselves a little bit. I'm not saying we have to be selfish or crazy or anything like that. I'm just saying that, you know, just like that. I mean, it affects your life, all of your life. So why not enjoy it while you still can? Exactly. And then you have a shout out with your, uh, for your doctor of accountancy. So, so well, doctor of accountancy. You. So you're welcome. <laughs> well, Take care. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. That was nice. All right. Let's hit Tom in Nolensville. Hello, Tommy. Hey. hey, how are you doing? I'm very good. What can I do for you? So last year I installed a high speed EV charger in my garage. And I understand mm -hmm. that I could have taken a tax deduction on my taxes, but I didn't learn that until after I filed. One, is that right that I can take a tax deduction? And two, if I can, is it worth going back and amending my taxes? I ended up paying around like five to $7,000 in taxes with what I had to do this year. Well, Evie, yes, there is a credit um, possibly up to 7,500. How much did you spend on your EV charger? Probably around 1,100. Okay, so there's a form called an 8911. You're going to want to actually possibly amend. I mean, depending on, so here's the deal. If your tax bracket is 12%, you're going to save a little over $120 on your taxes. If your tax bracket is 22 or 24, you're going to double almost that, right? So higher your tax yeah. bracket, more savings it's going to give you, but no sense in leaving money on the table. You did do it. Why not go sure. after it? So the 8911. Okay. 8911, buddy. Perfect. All right. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for calling. Appreciate you. Okay. Bye -bye. And I lost my screen. There we go. We've got Jim and Levan. Hey, Jim. Hello. Oh, hello. Can you hear hello. me? Hello. Yes, I can. 
Okay, I got a couple of questions that are related and uh on the internet that give me different answers. So I'm That's asking you. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm seventy years old and I'm single and I'm contributing the maximum amount to my Roth uh TSP plan. Mm-hmm. So what's the most income I can make and, and continue to do that without any without them starting to reduce the amount I can put in there. So it's $7,000, but they do back out, if I remember my calculation properly. No, I mean, my, what, my, my income. I, I'm right. putting in like 27000 or something like that. Did you say your Roth, Roth IRA? Yeah. No, no. Thrift Savings Plan. Oh, Thrift PSP. Savings. Okay, Thrift Savings. Sorry, I was on the wrong um, wrong thing. Um, so okay. let's see what a thrift savings is. And then let's so see. I know how earned. much to put in, but I mean, what's the most I can make be before they start saying, well, you're making too much. You can't uh, put in that, you know, the max. Well, are you an employee of someplace? Only reason yeah. I'm asking that. No, you're self-employed. I, I, no, no. I work at the, at a VA hospital. Business. Okay. Well, the only reason I'm saying that the, because the way the thrift savings is the higher earners, Sometimes what happens is if enough of the lower earners don't put enough in, the higher earners end up having to get kickbacks because they have to balance it with all contributions, right? Every year. So you've probably had it happen where you get back a 1099R where they had to send back your um, part of your contributions in some years. It's not based no. necessarily on your total income is all I'm saying. It's about no, it's all not. of the people that contribute in the hospital. Or wherever you work. So, so I don't have to worry that I'm I'm making uh, no too, too much, much money. money. Uh, um, no, because you're. I mean, you're on a W two. It's going to actually, as soon as you start hitting a certain earnings, it's going to actually kick out anyway. So, um, you know, personally speaking, I don't think there's anything you can really change on that. Let's see here if there's something that tells me really quick what the maximum earnings for Roth is usually higher than the other. And as long as you keep working, because um, as we all know, they, they changed the law, right? That you can actually still contribute as long as you're still working. They had, right. it used to be that you had to stop it at 70 is the reason I'm asking. Right. And I'm not a financial planner. So those questions, I don't know the exact answer, but I don't think I would worry too much. It says 80% of the account and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I don't, there's, there doesn't seem to be anything that's going to stop or worry that you're making too much money. The payroll service is going to basically stop taking once you hit the maximum that you can contribute. Okay. Then my second question is, can I uh, still put money in my Roth IRA? No, no. not if you're maxim maximizing your thrift savings, you can't put that in the Roth. It's unless, well, I shouldn't say no, but I'm assuming since part of the question you asked me is how much earnings you have, I think a Roth for an individual cuts off at like 140 or something, 170. Okay. So there is a so maximum making, you can have for regular Roth. Right, but if I'm making less than that, can I contribute Make, to my, my Roth as well as my, my Roth IRA as well as my Roth TSP? I am not a financial planner, but my answer to that question is going to be no, you can't. If you've got a, a um, TSP at the workplace, you're not going to qualify for a Roth IRA outside of it. 
Now, okay. I know that there are certain people that probably could answer that question a ton better than me. I'll be honest with you. That's not really a tax question. If you want to take money out of your IRA and know how much it's going to cost you, that's more my, my expertise. All right. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Thank Thanks, you very buddy. much. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye-bye. I want to lead him in the wrong direction. Let's hit Alan. Alan in Tennessee. Well, that's good to know. Hey, Alan, what's happening? Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I had a question. Uh, if a person's on disability and they uh, sell their uh, home they're living in and they make uh, more than what they paid for a profit, you might say, are they allowed to keep that or do will the, uh, if you say you went into another home that was less than what you earned off your sale, would the, um, would the Social Security want to take your, take what you made off that? Because you've been on disability? Well, uh, you guys are really good, but neither of these are tax questions. Um, honestly, oh, I don't sorry. know the answer. No, sorry. No, it's oh, not I yours. Just wondered. Yeah, sorry I don't that. know for sure. No, I don't really know for sure because um, it probably depends on the type of disability that you're on. Uh, right. But they probably, because something I know, I've heard somewhere where you can have only have like $3,500 in the bank, um, right. certain limitations that they put you on to exactly. qualify. And if you exceed those, then they're going to back out how much they're going to give you in disability mm -hmm. until, until you're right. back down to those numbers. So right. my answer would be, that would be a concern definitely of um, well, now yeah, I will tell you, oh, yeah. you could go ahead. Oh, I was worried about the IRS. They, they, uh, will they claim taxes on something you make off property? Well, house, you, sell you would actually have your primary home if you lived in it two out of the last five years. If you're single, you can sell it for two hundred and fifty thousand above what you paid for it, and not pay any taxes. Uh -huh. oh, okay. So you might be well, okay on that element. You might want to talk sure. to if you if you really did make quite a bit of money, um, you might want to consider talking to an attorney because there are what's called disability trust. The money could right. probably go in there and be used for your comfort for the rest of your life and not kick you out of disability. I see. Well, thank you very much for your help. No problem. Appreciate you. Appreciate yourself. Enjoy yourself. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, guys, we're going to take our second break here. If you want to join the show at 615-737-9986, We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday show. We are back here live in studio and I am Dr. Friday. I'm an enrolled agent licensed by the IRS to do taxes and representation. And so that's what we've been doing for the last 25 years. And um, I can say it's, uh, it's always a fun ride. You never know what's going to come next year, what the taxes are going to be or how it's going to change. I will say for any of you that might be in the business of tax preparation and we're all looking to... Uh, obviously continuously learn more about what we need to know from cryptocurrency to the current tax changes. Um, there will be some seminar July 14th and 15th 
in Mount Juliet that uh, Tennessee Association of Enrolled Agents will be putting on. So keep your eyes open, or if you want more information, you can certainly email me or call me. Um, and we're going to be getting some notices out to everybody. But just a heads up, put that on the calendar if you are someone that is looking to have some CE credits and also maybe do some face to face and talk to other people like myself um, that does taxes and representation. I've always found it to be a, a worthwhile event to go to because, you know, it's local, a lot of people know each other. And then if there's a problem, you have someone you can actually share that with. So, or at least try to get some additional information. So we are talking a lot about the different questions or different things happening here um, under the IRS. And some of the biggest topics, of course, was, um, I think, the, the IRS puts out a topics uh, that, that I think is always interesting. And a couple of the number one questions was, again, IRS, I don't have a social security number, but I have an identification number. Am I eligible for the child tax credit? Um, was one of the questions that the IRS have. And the answer is yes, you and your spouse, if married, filing jointly, must have a social security number or an IRS identification number. I-10 is what we usually refer to them to be eligible for the child tax credit. It can be claimed for each child who is who has a social security number or a valid uh, or valid employment uh, I-10 number. So um, again, that's really different than some of the stimulus monies where we didn't have that, right? Um, so I have one individual who had a baby and we're still waiting for getting the social security number because that is um, a little bit slow on the uptake there. So we're hoping that's going to come quickly, but you never know um, what's going to happen when it comes to those. So again, you can't claim a child unless you have a tax ID number or a social security number on them. Um, is uh, it, as a recipient of a deferral action of childhood, um, childhood arrivals um, prevented from claiming a child tax credit. Um, and uh, as it says, no, having a DACA does not affect your eligibility. So bottom line is almost anyone with a child can get the child tax credits. Um, and so that's one of the big things. And of course, one of the other major things, the IRS has been doing a great job in is actually dealing with qualified children. So, you know, you can be a dependent, which normally means that at this point you're 18 and older, a parent, a grandparent, all those would be dependents. And then there's the qualified um, child or tax credit. And that's someone that is under the age of 18 and they are usually your own children. Now that doesn't mean they have to be biological. They can also be um, a child that you've adopted. Um, some cases I've got grandparents that are raising the children, um, all of those different situations. But keep in mind, earned income credit, you're not going to get that on your girlfriend's kids that you're living with. You shouldn't. That doesn't qualify you to be their guardian. Therefore, you don't qualify for tax credit. Now, the mother who is living in the household, if she is working and she is their uh, biological, you know, the, the person that has them, then she would qualify for it. This is a big question. And I think a lot of people are very confused on um, who can get it just because there's a child and there's a name 
doesn't mean that you're going to have the ability to be able to just claim them because they're in your house. Uh, I've had more than one person. Now, the child tax credit, yes, you'll qualify for that because the child is in the home. Earned income credit is a different animal. And the IRS, the number one thing they have been auditing in the last year, guess what? People making less than 40000 single people or head of household people making less than 28000 Why? Because those people half the time are claiming children that are not entitled to claim and getting large chunks of money for those children. I know there's quite an outrage on the internet, and I'm going to say I am not one of those. I personally think if they expect all of us to file our taxes, to pay our taxes, and and with the idea that we could be audited or, or anything else during those time periods, Every taxpayer should have that same concern. So if you live with an individual and they have children and you've been getting seven, eight, nine, I, uh, I don't do a lot of earned income, but I have one that they have six kids um, and uh, they are married and they're, these are all their own children and uh, they get somewhere around $12,000 a year back. Um, so, you know, this is something you need to consider, something to think about, nothing, you know, this is what the IRS is providing, and I'm a full believer in taking full advantage of every dollar you're entitled to. There's nothing in the tax law. In fact, it's in the tax law that you're entitled to every tax deduction that you are truly entitled to. So don't leave something on the table just because you're not sure. But as long as you know that this is a deduction you're entitled to, go for it and make sure it's out there. But if you're not sure, if you're guessing or you're taking the advice of somebody else, um, you know, make sure you get somebody that does know the business, knows what's going on and gives you good advice on should you or should you not claim a specific tax deduction. You know, um, in some cases, it make very little difference if you do or don't. Because sometimes, you know, I have people that... Um, the, th the 300 and the $600 for charity has to be cash. It cannot be goodwill. It cannot be money that you or clothing or household goods that you gave to a charity. And a lot of times, you know, that's people like, well, I, I mean, I had to pay cash originally for them. I get that. But the tax law is pretty specific cash to a charity. So, you know, and, and in a lot of these cases we're we're talking, you know, $30, um, $60 that they're saving in taxes. And it's not that that's not a lot of money, but it's not worth putting something on a tax return and then worrying about it later. See, I like to sleep really well at night. So I really prefer to put in my tax return everything that I can, everything I'm entitled to, but I don't need to make it up or hope that the IRS doesn't catch it. Um, you know, sooner or later, your, your luck is going to most likely um, pass on. So you want to make sure that that's not the case, at least not while we're at the choices that we have. So, and right now taxes are about as low as they're going to be in our lifetime. Maybe not in your kid's lifetime, but it definitely in my lifetime. Um, so I'm expecting we need to be preparing and looking at what other alternatives I'm totally agreement in that. And what we need to be doing as far as, um, you know, preparing for 2025 when the taxes are most likely going to start going back to what they were pre uh, Donald Trump and um, see what, you know, they may, they may put them back in and keep them low, but I'm not, it really depend on who's in the, 
in White House at that time. So we'll have to wait and see what that's going to be. So very important to think about who you're voting for. Um, but that being said, all right, now we're talking about taxes. So if you've got questions, you can join the show, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. Like I said, I'm an enrolled agent licensed by the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation. That's what I do. So if you haven't filed taxes in 10 years or two years, or you know somebody that really is just pretty much off the radar because they're just afraid that if they open up a bank account or they, you know, their house or anything else has liens, you know, there are deals, there are ways of doing offer and compromises, payment plans, making yourself non-collectible, partial payment plans. You might have to bite the bullet and go ahead and do what you need to do so that way you can move forward because that's the only way it's going to happen is for you to be able to get what you want and do what you need to do. Otherwise, you, you know, you, you can live off cash. I'm sure you can. Uh, but it's very difficult to buy a house or very difficult to, to grow your money, put it into an investment account or, you know, buy stocks or anything else. If you're afraid that the IRS at any good point is going to come and take that money. So you're better off making a deal and making them the priority, get them off your back so that you can start building the life that you want. So we're going to have one more break here. When we get back, we'll have another oh seven eight minutes of the show. So if you've got questions and you're not too sure, now will be the time to pick up the phone, 615-737-9986. We're going to be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. back here live in studio you can join us by calling 615-737-9986 615-737-9986 taking your calls and dealing with different questions so i was talking about the earned income and child tax credit got an email during the the break and one of them asked well how do you um what kind of documentations does the irs request if needing to prove that I can claim um, the relationship and residency. So that's the two things first. So first, if you, if you have a child that's living in your house, you first have to be able to prove your relationship with that child and the residency. So most of the time, if it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend living in the house and they've got a child, the residency is not the issue because that home address is probably since the the parent is living in the house, the child is living it. It's the relationship that you're going to have, which has to show that you are either related, um, a paternal test, a marriage certificate, or a legal adoption payment paperwork. That's what they want. So, or, and it can also be if you are a foster parent, um, but your name has to be on these documents. So, again, Big mistake. And one of the largest um, audit areas is people claiming somebody else's child on a tax return because, again, was it $4,000 a child or something like you can get an earned income credit plus another two, $3,000 in child credit? Each child is worth quite a bit of money. And so you need to make sure, though. Um, again, the IRS is doing much better job. And that's one of the reasons there's been a delay. If, and some of you, you may have found out that there was a delay in your refunds because the IRS is actually holding a delay on trying to match 
children that are being claimed on the tax return with the proper parent um, that's going with them. And so that is uh, one of the situations that uh, we're always dealing with. In fact, we usually every year have one or two cases where um, the person that legally should be claiming the child isn't and the person that is not supposed to is beating that other person to the um, deadline, which basically if if someone claims the child and they file a tax return, the other person that may legally be able to file that child must mail in the return because at that point, the IRS is already has that child already in the system. So then we have to then prove the residency and relationship, put a whole packet together, mail that to the IRS. And then usually that will come back and end up with the child coming back at you and, and having to uh, uh, pay back. And the, the, the penalty for doing that, being caught by filing someone else's, is that you're never going to be able to claim the earned income credit or child credit again, even legitimately. They kick you out of the program. So uh, it's a pretty high penalty to do that kind of thing. So just think about it because it's not something that you really want to do. It's not something that we really want to to be dealing with. And I get it. it. It seems like fast and easy money sometimes. And when life is not always simple, it can be a pretty decent situation. But in all honesty, it's not the way we want to go because the IRS is getting smart, guys. Sooner or later, they're going to follow up and say, boom, this is what we've caught and this is how we're doing it. Like I said, there's a, quite a few emails and um, um, blogs and different things out there that are talking about this right now. And and that's because they're saying, well, they're already in the lower income bracket and, you know, um, that, you know, this is a hardship for them. But when you're talking about some of these people getting twelve dollars or $14,000 at the end of the year, that could be a problem. So um, enough about that. Let's see what other tax issues we have. Again, if you live in some of the other counties and haven't filed your taxes yet. And uh, again, we're working to try to get all the tax returns that we have in-house completed here just to at least the ones that we have on our desk that are ready to be completed. I mean, many of us will file extensions and they are not due until October 15th. As far as a personal, if it's a business and you filed an extension, that will be due September 15th. And keep in mind, extensions are great in my world because it just extends the paperwork and it gives us time to make sure the paperwork is correct and done right. So we're not filing amendments or corrections but it does not extend the money. So if you haven't filed your taxes for 2021 and you haven't paid in any taxes or not enough taxes, now's the time to really think about it. I mean, at least with most of my clients that, you know, we have that discussion, we say, well, let's, let's make an estimate. Let's try to pay in enough. So you don't want to have to pay penalties and interest. We don't want to do that. We want to avoid that as best we can. So if you haven't filed your taxes, and one of the reasons people don't file taxes is because they don't have the money. I totally relate to that. And sometimes it is a matter of just waiting and hoping that you can then, when you do file the taxes in October, you either have enough money to pay the basics or get a payment plan going. But you know, nothing's stopping you from going ahead and starting a payment plan just because you know you don't you know you owe five thousand dollars and you don't have it so you don't want to tell the irs that you owe the five thousand dollars but nothing's stopping you from, from making a monthly payment of so much money to help whittle down the amount you owe unless of course at this point you've lost your job you don't have the ability to pay or or there's other issues i mean life gets in the way sometimes but 
my suggestion is always start whittling away as best you can at whatever you owe the IRS, penalties and interest. And again, if the idea is you don't have a job and you don't have the ability to pay, then as long as you're current in your filings, go ahead and do an offer and compromise. Maybe that's an availability. But I will pop a lot of bubbles out there because there are a lot of services on the, on the radio and on the TV and many of them you're going to call and they're going to say, oh yes, we can help you. But if you have a home, a 401k, you have the ability to pay them. You just don't want to take the equity out of your house. You don't want to withdraw the money from your retirement account. Then I'm going to tell you right now, the way that the offer and compromise system works is the IRS is saying, wait, you paid your mortgage every month and you didn't pay us. So therefore that equity is ours. You put money into a 401k or IRA or any of them, but didn't pay us. That means that money is ours. They're not making big deals. Now there are certain circumstances. There's nothing ever black and white when it comes to the IRS in some cases, but you know, 99% of the time, if those funds are there, when you go in for an offer and compromise, it's going to come on the table. They're going to have certain expectations. And even if you get a rejection on a mortgage because your, your credit score is 540 and likely not going to get a lot of mortgages for that, um, then that's something to consider as well. But I'm just telling you right now, there, there's a lot of companies out there and they'll say, oh yes, pay us $1,500 and $500 a month and we're going to help you. And they may be able to get some penalties waived. They may be able to file all your taxes to get you current. But keep in mind, the tax law is the tax law. It's not something that they're writing or they have some secret backdoor to. It is what it is. So make sure you have someone that's actually going to tell you exactly how and plan out what you're going to do before you separate yourself from thousands and thousands of dollars and then find out later you didn't get any kind of resolution. That's not the way we want to work. I mean, it's not easy. Resolutions take a long time. It's not a fast process. Um, so it's not something you're going to come in and then, you know, a few days later or a week or even a month. I mean, most of ours take seven to seven months to probably a year and a half. I've had one that took us over two years to get an offer. So just want to make sure you understand that this isn't a process that's going to happen fast. All right. So we're winding down the show. If you have questions and you want to reach us Monday morning, 615-367-0819-615-367-0819. If you have no idea who I am and you're curious, Easiest way to find out would be to go to drfriday.com. That is drfriday.com. And for many of you that may have not heard me on the radio for the last 13 years, maybe you just found me. My first name is actually Friday. So it's Dr. Burke, I suppose. But um, Friday is such a unique first name. My father had an ingenious concept there. So I go by Dr. Friday. And if you um, need an appointment, you need some help. You can give us, again, uh, the easiest way is either email or phone call. Again, you can email us at friday at drfriday.com. Again, Friday, like the day of the week, at drfriday.com. Or you can uh, pick up the phone, call us at 0819. I hope you guys actually have a really wonderful Saturday. And for all of you that will be celebrating Mother's Day tomorrow, hopefully you guys enjoy, see your kids, have a great time. And um, 
as we always say here, I mean, again, if you haven't filed your taxes or if you need help doing some back taxes, I'm the person you're going to want to call and we can help you. If you don't even have the paperwork, don't worry. We have ways of helping you recreate your information. So I hope you guys have a wonderful Saturday. Copulator. you later.